<laughs> May he rest in peace. Yeah, that killed, killed me. <laughs> well, it's really sad. You know, that's like my favorite scene in the whole movie. Start drinking it black, because Acme's taking it clean now. Now, drink this, son. It'll make you feel better. So joining us for the first time, we have a brand new guest, Charlie from Word to the Mother, which is a brand new podcast. I just discovered in a Facebook group and listened to the first episode and said, hey, this sounds like a person that can talk about Roger Rabbit. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> which is exactly. a terrible, terrible way to introduce your show. So I'm going to let you do that uh, before we get into Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So please enlighten our listeners on what you're doing with your new podcast. Okay, so like you said, it's called Word to the Mother, and uh, it mother, that's with the M-U, not mother, and uh, we debuted just two weeks ago on New Year's Day 2018, and it's actually a retrospective podcast in which we go back to the 90s to discuss uh, R&B and hip-hop artists, and each episode we reflect on one artist or genre, and we just reflect on our memories, our experiences, and where we were in our lives at the time when that artist was hot. So each episode features a different topic. I usually have different guests. And it's brand new. We've got two episodes out, but more coming. But um, it's just really a flashback to to the 90s. When to me, music was king. So, (laughs) Is, Is that something that naturally came up with your group of friends as far as talking about that specific point in your life? Were you something that you were like, I should podcast about this? Not exactly. So I had the idea to do a podcast probably about a year or so ago. I was listening to so many podcasts and I really, really got into it, um, listening to them all day during my workday. I'm a typical cubicle dweller with a pretty good commute. So it was really helping me get through my day. And so I started to think, you know, I think I could do this. I think it'd be really fun. Me and my friends get together. We have really lively conversations, but I didn't have a concept. So I presented it to my friends and they'd be like, oh yeah, that'd be cool. No concept whatsoever. So after a couple tests, I kind of found that I, I really wanted to hone in on something specific. Everything I listened to is a very specific subject. So I just thought about it for maybe about six months or so. And it was actually last July. I'm a huge music fan and I used to be a music blogger. And um, before podcast, it was Spotify, just all day long with music. Anyway, it was probably about mid-July. I was in my car and my radio station was playing of some, uh, like a, what they call a midday mix. And it was some sort of 90s music, Belvedere, the Bow, Poison, something like that. And as usual, I just started dancing and singing and like losing my mind singing. And um, I'm so passionate about it that every song has very distinct memories from when I was in high school, when I was a teen. I just get so super jazzed and so excited. I was like, uh, that's my podcast. That's my topic. I could talk about this stuff sing and dance and think about this thing, this stuff for days. And like I said, all these artists have so many memories. When I hear a song, it takes me back 92, 91. I can remember I was ninth grade, da, 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 da. But clearly it's something really, really 
passionate about. So I was like, that's it. That's my podcast. That's my idea. The funny thing is when I presented it to my friends, I had like this whole email. This is what we're going to do. They weren't quite as into it. So <laughs> um, it died on the table for about eight, nine, ten hours. And then it was my husband who said, you know what? You should do it on your own. You be the host. You get some guests. You do it. So that's how I got there. <laughs> I didn't think I could do it. I never thought I would do it by myself. But um, talking to him and talking to some other people, they were like, you can do that. You can do it on your own. You'll, you'll just host it. You'll do the whole thing. So. I totally, totally get where you're coming from. I think that's a great point to transition to my co-host and name only, Dave, (laughs) who gives nothing to this show. Dave. True. (laughs) True story. What are we talking Uh, about this week? So my my giving to the show this week is organizing this ridiculous episode on Who Framed Roger (laughs) Rabbit as if it were actually a romantic comedy. Thank you, Mike. Mm. So that was your idea. uh, (laughs) It always is. Totally Dave's. Right. Okay, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit might not be a movie you would think of when it comes to romance or relationships. If anything, people remember it because it's a childhood favorite or because of its amazing technical achievements, especially considering the time. But there are several relationships to look at. There's Eddie and his on-again, off-again girlfriend Dolores, Jessica and Roger. But the relationship this movie I think is more focused on is actually Eddie and Roger. So let's jump into that. So the meet-cute... This particular relationship certainly does not start out on stable ground. After all, Eddie is hired to take pictures of Roger's wife in a compromising situation and shows Roger the pictures before he explodes in a rage. So obviously that's not terribly cute unless you count, you know, a cartoon rabbit exploding out of a window cute. But can you remember when first watching this, are you rooting for these two to eventually work together? Or does this look like it signals the end before the friendship even begins? Wow. Because I, I don't have an answer yet, so good. <laughs> Let me think about that. Wow. I have to say that's an excellent intro. Um, yeah. Thank so you. <laughs> Edit that I... out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be at the top of the show. That's... <laughs> I, I love it. Um, I love preparation. So I saw this movie. I was probably about 10, 11. I I have to say it was the very first movie I ever owned. So for that, I have a lot of warm fuzzies about it. And um, I I remember it being like just technically and animation wise, beautiful. I remember being like in awe of it. But um, getting to your question. Yeah. Eddie and Roger. I mean, they, they were great. I want them to be together. I can't wait to see the adventure they're they're coming on. Um, yeah, the whole thing is about them. Yeah, clearly something's got to work out. Um, and I, I think we hope that Eddie might might soften and I don't know, stop being such a curmudgeon or something. But um, yeah, what, what's going to happen there? I want to know, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's like the opposites attract type thing, which did that come <laughs> after this? That did the video, did <laughs> the music ape? video. Did it, was it <laughs> aping <laughs> this? I love that you just brought up yes. MC Scat Cat on this episode. That's well, well done. And you even knew it's his good. name, but I, but I had yeah. a memory of that. I'm like, oh, that was <laughs> who could forget for, that for my uh, only my childhood. Not big well, in Kentucky. That's <laughs> hey, I liked that video a lot when I was a kid, but I always sort of likened it that to like, oh, great. that's Roger yeah. Rabbit the music video because <laughs> you know it's like a cartoon and interacting with a real person. Uh. Those two, I probably want to see together. Paula Abdul and MC Scat Cat. Is that the name? This yes. Lothario? Okay. <laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> Roger and Eddie? I would, I would have to say probably as a kid, no. I did not care. Now, to the scene that you're referencing, 
I probably didn't get the heartbreak as a kid. I just saw it as an excuse for Roger to go crazy. I also didn't understand the influence on uh, alcohol, or maybe that he's got some sort of troubled past with alcohol that it causes this rabbit to lose his mind. Um, just now, one drink, it's over yeah, for Roger. I, I think as an adult, though, yeah, I think obviously you want to see him together because you probably take more enjoyment uh, as a grown person in Eddie and his hatred of cartoons. Whereas a kid, I was just like... I, you know, that guy's short. Uh, he's grouchy. I don't like seeing him with his shirt off and suspenders <laughs> on. <laughs> but uh, now, yeah, it's like a good uh, buddy comedy. You know, yeah, that's hit exactly. The, road and, um, the, the other thing in, in that scene is Eddie, for once, doesn't feel slimy. Like, you actually do get maybe a glimpse that's like, ah, he doesn't really enjoy what he's done to this this blubbering cartoon rabbit who's weeping over his wife cheating on him. Whereas the studio head, I mean, is just incredibly slimy. Like you can tell it's yes. just like moving Roger around like a piece on a chessboard. So yeah, yeah, I definitely think you want Eddie to, uh, to stick his nose in this a little bit more and, and try to investigate further. Yeah. I think I had a similar reaction to you, Mike, when I was a kid, like I, I remember when I first saw this, like I didn't like Eddie at all in the like first half of this movie. Like he was a really hard character for me to like, like, cause you know, you're a kid and you, you're there for the cartoons and you're there for the slapstick and all that. And then you have this like hard boiled, like alcoholic, angry, grumpy detective that looks more at home in like a film noir movie than he does in a cartoon. So I remember as a kid thinking like, Poor Roger, you know, like I just felt bad for him. But as watching it now and watch, I mean, I've watched this movie probably 10 times, you know, watching it as an adult, it does feel like, like you could see the setups happening. You could see, as you mentioned, these kind of opposites, you, you know, they're going to have to be together in this movie for it to work. And I think the real challenge of this movie is, does, does Eddie's turn later in the movie make sense? Uh, and I think that's, that's the best part of this movie is the fact that 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 process actually works because it could very easily just be like, oh, this is silly. He's having a turn late in the third act and I don't buy it. But I think, you know, the performances here and the writing is good enough that you do feel it. You do want the best for all these characters. Uh-huh. I also think it's important that Roger explodes out the window before he gets on Eddie's nerves too much because yes. it's, it's a lot to take in. True. And then he leaves, you know, into the yeah. night mysterious. You don't want Eddie slapping him around or anything like well, that. Well, it would go, certainly, I mean, uh, when they meet again, you know, they have to be handcuffed together. And uh, yeah. who knows if Eddie would have had a change of heart if <laughs> without those handcuffs. Can I just bring up the patty cake scene? Yes, of course. I don't know if you have that coming up. Keep, but I feel like keep I, this show titillating. Please bring up the patty cake scene. I'm I bring have those to bring this up. Because I, when I watched this as a kid, like I said, I was about 10, 11, and I watched it by myself. But, you know, I kind of had my parents in the background. You know, we, we it's, it's two parts. First is uh, Eddie actually taking the, the, the photos, and then we later find out what the photos are. When he's taking the photos and we hear Jessica Rabbit going on, oh, I, I remember being like, cringing. <laughs> yeah, I know this is not really appropriate for my little ears and definitely not for my parents. I remember being like kind of embarrassed, like, oh my gosh, what? I didn't know this was going to be. I'm embarrassed. And then we later see with the pictures, I was like, oh, phew, it's not that. But so I'm, I rewatched it yesterday and I had my four year old son next to me. And I know some things are a little bit inappropriate, but I'm like, I really want to watch it. So anyway, that comes up 
and he's like not really watching it, but every now and then he looks up and that comes up and I'm sitting there like, does he, is this? <laughs> oh, this is the part you watch, kid. Great. <laughs> this is the part you tune You know, part of my mind is like, he probably doesn't get it, but the other part is like, but what if, uh, you know, it's so uncomfortable. It's funny because it's like a kid's movie, but it has these themes. And even now I'm like, that is, it's, it's a lot. And I'm like, should I cover his eyes? But it isn't really just patty cake. So. I just had to bring it up. It's like a one little cringy moment. I remember being little and yeah. being like, oh, I don't know, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I had that very similar. So, Mike, when you post this, just remember, hashtag patty cake. You got you to gotta <laughs> throw that in there. We gotta, I mean, are we going to try to do like special promo images where it's like me and you like doing the Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the little flip book. You should do that. <laughs> Excellent. That. That does involve work. That's basically yeah. all I can really give the listeners. It crossed my mind. I'm not going to follow through. We, we thought about it. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Is that good enough? I love no. it. Think about that. Think on that one. Right. So, Mike, you mentioned them being handcuffed together. So that kind of brings us to, I think, what counts as our breakup. So there are lots of fights between these two, kind of almost from the beginning till the end. They are at each other's throats. And it so it'd be, and it's difficult to find two characters maybe from any movie more at odds with one another. But I think the fight with the most consequence occurs in the kind of hidden speakeasy room at Dolores's diner. Roger trying to be funny as always leads to Eddie becoming increasingly angry with him. And this of course leads into a scene with judge doom, our villain attempting to full on execute Roger in a vat of dip. So during this fight or any others, who do you root for? Is Eddie the voice of reason or is he just a grumpy guy who needs to get a sense of humor? You said you'd never take another tool case. Why'd you have a change of heart? Nothing's changed. Somebody's made a patsy out of me, and I'm gonna find out why. Hold still, will ya? Does this help? Yeah, thanks. Do you mean to tell me that you could have taken your hand out of that cuff at any time? No, not at any time. Only when it was funny. I want He's the rabbit to shut guy. up. Oh, we disagree. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. <laughs> I knew what? Mike would side with Eddie. Okay. Knew it. Here's here's something that I don't know if I consider it as a kid, but the film has to establish, I guess, what this vat of uh, the dip, as they call it, that is the only thing can kill a cartoon and they have another character say like we thought they were invincible but then we discovered this and it's like oh okay so to establish that on screen there's a random cartoon shoe that is oh, just flat out executed by the, the judge shoe. for no reason oh my i mean gosh. And they have to they have to establish stakes mike Look but what he also says that he's going to like try the rabbit you know he's gonna like basically get a conviction and then he's going to execute him, which at that point you're like, well, okay, I guess it's, you know, it's capital punishment, but at least there's some due process that's well, going Mike's through like, here. That seems fair. <laughs> well, that is you know. the worst scene in the whole movie. I thought it was disturbing then. It's just, it was disturbing yesterday. I still can't, like, I wanted to look away. It's, and like I said, my son <laughs> shoes like, like crying. <laughs> Like, what are the other cops doing? Why does the, the judge just have? Why does he have total control to just execute any cartoon? I didn't know if he's like a dictator from like Toonland or whatever. Pretty I had much. a big problem with that. I did not have a big problem with that as a kid, just because I was just like, oh, that's what the goo does. And then I didn't think about the shoe anymore. Now I'd say it's probably forty minutes later. I'm like, what the hell? What about that <laughs> shoe that was executed from those police officers? <laughs> no one has an issue with it. So to answer your question, Dave. 
I have that in my it's mind. Like, where's the due process? So when the rabbit yeah. is wanting to sing and dance in the like little hideaway, I'm like, please be quiet. Do you you don't know? Do you know what's gonna happen to you? Do you did you know the shoe? Were you friends with the shoe? The shoe's not coming Clearly back. Not. <laughs> oh my so, god! Yeah, the I of the episode that. right there. Did you know the shoe? <laughs> <laughs> Only on this movie would that question ever come up. <laughs> That was so awful. I, I hate that scene so much because I, I every time I think about it, it's, I think, well, we've seen cartoons that, you know, they get injured and maybe they die. But this is like the most graphic cartoon death I think I've ever seen, or at least up until that point. And the shoe was like a little baby shoe. And then he, the judge picks his hand up and there's like red paint. And I said to my son, it's just paint. It's just paint. It's just paint. He just executed his baby shoe. Horrible. Horrible. But to your point, (laughs) I was with Roger. I didn't really think about it from your point of view. That's a good point about the shoe. I'm thinking, laughter is all he has. You know, what did all he made this beautiful speech about, you know? He's not gonna rat on me. I made him laugh, you know, and Oh, you know, I, I just love Roger. He's so adorable. He just kind of wins over. The guy doesn't. He doesn't rat on him. He Roger didn't. was right. It's just his yeah. own. <laughs> and it's this weird sort of, I don't know, deus ex machina the judge has where it's like, oh, if I tap on the wall and do the shaving a haircut. Shaving a haircut. Like, what is this nonsense? You know, people have gone nuts. <laughs> you're you're sounding like I. a Star Wars fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, That's I, not I in the... <laughs> What sort of, you know, do I have to get a guidebook to this world to figure out like, okay, yeah, that's in the the Bible of this universe. But that was brilliant. <laughs> and, it's, and it's so wonderful that Roger completely forgets himself and he's got to go out and finish that number. Oh, love him. Love him. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my view on the scene has changed as I've aged. I've just get more grumpy, I think, as I get older. Because when I watched this as a kid, I was like fully in Roger's corner. I think him slipping out of the handcuffs is hilarious. Like that that scene really works visually. Mm-hmm. And like we should say that Bob Hoskins is great in this movie because yes. he's acting against nothing for most of this film in a time where this wasn't common. Like and it it still really works and it works better than a lot of performances now, frankly. But as I watch it now, I think because you're more aware of how dangerous this situation really is, that you're like, I'm not fully in Eddie's corner, but I am still like, man, you need to calm down. Like, you need to be quiet now because you're in some serious, serious danger. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I've kind of flipped on it a little bit. Um, but I think I think this is the first scene for me where I start to actually see a possible friendship and a possible bond between these two. Because... It would be like if Eddie gave him up, like he doesn't suffer in this, but he decides essentially like, you know, this is wrong. This this shouldn't be happening. So I'm going to protect this obnoxious rabbit who is <laughs> handcuffed to me right now. Um, and and Roger, I mean, Roger is like he's just he's a bleeding heart. He cares about everybody. So like you could see that connection right there. And I think that's the first moment in the movie where you really see that this could be really good for Eddie to have this friendship. So I'm kind of rooting for both of them. a little bit. Oh, good point. Good point. Right. Also <laughs> worth noting that even though they were handcuffed, Roger could slip his arm out of it at any yeah, that gag really time. Works. Really works oh, it's because good. It's good. I, I probably watched this a hundred times as a kid, and I had forgotten that bit. So as an adult, I'm just I just bought into like, oh, he's handcuffed. Stupid <laughs> me not thinking that he like flies through refrigerators right. and contorts into all sorts of shapes. And as soon as he does that, uh, yeah, that's so the good. part. If I was Eddie. I'd be frustrated, but I'd be like, all right, that, you got me. All that right, was good. Well done. That was pretty good. Yeah. Well played, kid. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally. 
All right, so now we move to the grand gesture. So we find from nearly the beginning of the film that Eddie is anti-Toon and anti-Toontown because of the murder of his brother and partner. Mm. So the grand gesture is not only Eddie returning to Toontown to find Roger, but also showing off his sense of fun and humor in a fight with the Weasels and Judge Doom. So I think we could say that this grand gesture is grand enough as he saves not only Roger and Jessica, but Toontown as a whole as well. But how about this? Do you think Eddie is forever changed by this? Is it enough for him to get over his grumpy exterior and not to mention the death of his brother and his rampant alcoholism that is on show during this whole thing? Is this enough? Do you feel like he has turned the corner? Like if there's a Roger Rabbit 2, is Eddie like hanging out in Toontown with everyone or is he kind of sliding back? No, God, no. <laughs> I, I say yes. <laughs> All right, here's here's yes. my here's my reasoning. Is I think there's a uh, uh, he can bend but not break on this entirely, and I think that <laughs> the scene where I guess it's a very last interaction between the two characters where Roger is like, you know, are you going to go back to being a grouch? Like, you know, can you not handle a little joke? And Eddie responds by kissing him which is something mm-hmm. we would never imagine imagine him doing. And he's sort of like, you know, he, he plays the butt of the joke a little bit and then gives back, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you could, if Roger's going to have some sort of new comedic partner where they're just going to be like, you know, hanging out all the time, busting each other's chops. I think Eddie will have a point <laughs> that he can like. He That's won't, enough. <laughs> he won't go to 11 immediately anymore. Uh, but I don't, yeah, I don't think they're going to pal around. Um and I'm actually kind of fine with that. You know, I mean, Roger's got plenty of cartoons and there's other rabbits and, you know, he's got to eat his carrot cake and whatever other and sexual. They stopped, progress. Up. <laughs> they stopped progress. So they'll have plenty of time. They'll, they they stop progress. Done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't know where at first what you were referring to there. I was like, wait, he's married to Jessica Rabbit. What are you getting into, Dave? Are you trying to? <laughs> to outlaw this weird interspecies cartoon <laughs> legislation. No. Uh, you're talking about the freeway. Yes, the, the Chinatown yes. bit. Yes. Yeah, okay. Exactly. As a kid, I totally thought that was boring. And even now, I'm just like, that's, I don't know, that's a little weird, but... It seems like um, a stretch, yeah. No, I, I think that's enough. I think the, the, the kiss, it's not the most romantic kiss, but I think that's as far as we need to push Eddie, the character. And that's good enough for me. So I disagree. You get, you get them, uh, falling in love? <laughs> no i don't have them falling in love but i think that for me the grand gesture was as you described but the big vaudeville show at the end where you know eddie puts in the show to kill the weasels with laughter to save route i feel like that is so out of character for him and he's just you know grumpy curmudgeon anti-tune just like he said he's singing comfortable too doing it he does look very (laughs) <laughs> he's out of. He's just league. out of practice. He's just out of practice. He That's was a very great. Way to put it. <laughs> he was great. He hit that floor. He did wonderful. But he he turned around so much, and he became sort of joyful and jubilant at the end. I mean, singing and dancing. He, that's probably not something he does, but he did it for his boy Roger. I think they're going to be best friends forever. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, all the tunes come out. Um, Roger, Jessica, everybody gets back together. They're going to be good. They're going to be buddies for life. That's my feeling. I think they're going to go out with the Hollywood ending. They're going to walk across the sunset. Him and Dolores, Jessica and Roger, best friends forever. (laughs) Forever. They're all going to hang out Catalina together. It'll be great. No, no, no. no. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I don't want you know the, a bigger splash version of Roger Rabbit. With those oh, I would characters. watch the hell out of that. That would be um, great. Sure you would. <laughs> Good idea, Mike. <laughs> if there was a sequel, I think it would be more like the new Apes movies, where it's like there would be humans, where it's like, yeah, maybe what? it was a bad idea to let these tunes run rampant. Because look at their <laughs> look at their sense of humor. Look at now, look at the amount of violence that they enact on each other. Like when Eddie goes to Toontown, you have. Uh, Mickey Mouse, Mickey Mouse of all people. This, you know, this isn't Donald Duck, who is a bit of an asshole. This is Mickey Mouse. That is the like, best Disney character, by the way, Donald Duck. Surprised that I would think that. But. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely <laughs> like, like the way he talks for sure. Um, <laughs> constantly spitting and full of rage. That's right, um, I love it. And wearing no pants. Yeah, very aggressive character. It's a good life. Yeah, but you have you have Mickey like skydiving off a building. Uh, with bugs, and he participates in this prank, which I didn't know Mickey had that sense of humor to <laughs> send Eddie to his see? death, as far as they know. So that's my <laughs> that's why I see like the ape sequels, where you're gonna have like a Woody Harrelson like character with a shaved head that was like, <laughs> there is too much death. They got these goddamn tunes. <laughs> Look, their idea of a joke is like jackass to the death. But unfortunately for humans, we would die if we if we try to attempt these these little pranks and shenanigans. So yeah, this could go. You know, maybe the judge look. The judge went a little too far. He went a little too crazy. A little, crazy. a little. And his his obsession with the freeway is really boring. But we don't want some of that weaponry getting out to uh to human folks. Too dangerous. Yeah. Wow, that's that's quite a treatise you've just given us. Like, that is... <laughs> know how we got here um but as i kind of wrote out this question and thought about it myself i I was thinking like this is the problem with watching kids movies as an adult is that as a kid like this would have never entered my head they're like oh they're they're best buddies now look that whole thing happened everybody wins everybody's happy yeah but as an adult as i think about it i'm like eddie's got kind of a short fuse man like it's (laughs) it's only gonna last so long it's gonna be a, a kiss at the wrong time or a hand buzzer at the wrong time and Eddie's going back to the bottle, and he's getting angry again. And then we have a whole different, like, darker, gritty sequel to Roger Rabbit. And I just don't need like that. Like I so gave I, you. Yeah, it's very dark. Darker <laughs> than even I had in my head. So so maybe it's one of those things where it's just better left unsaid. You know, like, it's ended really well in this circumstance, and we could just move on from it. But it makes yeah. me wonder, like, how well suited these two would be to being friends. You know, because we never really get to see exactly what Eddie was like before the death of his brother. But there is he was stuff good. About how, how happy he was, and he loved joking around, and it's mm-hmm. interesting to see if he could get back to that, or if he's gone through too much. I think that he can go back to that. We did see a glimpse of him before with his brother. May he rest in peace. I think he used to do vaudeville before. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> I think he was dressed up as a clown. He had a sense of humor. Eddie was a good guy. He was in a good place. I think that Roger brought that out in him, and he's going to make a turning point and be a much happier person. And if he goes back to where he was, Roger will set him straight because laughter is all we have. He's going to be right there (laughs) to remind him. And he's got it it in him. He just needed Roger to bring it back in him. See, love your, I love your hope. It's good. Mike, <laughs> any rebuttal? Any rebuttal well, yeah, to that? Not, not that directly. I do like that, but I'm going to bring it back down a little bit because, <laughs> like you, you do, <laughs> <laughs> uh, our our guest, uh, since this is a video podcast, just toasted my negativity, which I appreciate. <laughs> I like that. Bottoms up. 
likes about being negative. Again. It's the only way to get through this shit. How do you think I, I feel? I well, wonder I, I, every episode with this. I negative. assume our listeners have a drinking game. Is this every say episode? Negative. Is every pretty episode? Much. I mean, it's, pretty much. It's every day. Ask my wife. Yeah, he's <laughs> like the wife. only person who can make me look positive. Like usually, I'm Thank the you. cynic, but Mike. Yeah, I have it's a on gift. Another level. Somebody yeah. has um, to do it. That's right. Okay, so you all were kind of making fun of me a little bit uh, at the start of the show, as far as especially you, Dave. The the gall of me putting this on the grand gesture. But what made me think of this was it ends with a grand gesture, but really everything in the film happens because of a grand gesture. Like Roger is set up to be the fall guy because everyone assumes, Oh, this guy whose wife that he loves dearly cheated on him. He's going to do something big and rash. He's going to murder someone for love. And the expectation is, and what I like about Eddie's character is that he's a guy that, doesn't believe in grand romantic gestures, doesn't really believe in anything anymore. He just will stop. He won't really think on those terms anymore. And he does for whatever reason, he continues to like dig into this. So I thought it actually kind of was strangely like a romantic look at a PI as far as him having no reason to hope anymore. He does just keep digging in. It's curiosity that really drives him to like believe in Roger and believe in these people that there's a conspiracy here. That wasn't That's too bad. That, that, that was almost hopeful. Look at you. Right. I'm so, I'm so proud of you, Mike. Well Thank done. you. Good night. That's it. Right. End of the rest of the show, Dave. <laughs> Sadly, we are not done yet. We have one last Shit. thing to talk about. And that is about to be negative maybe, again. Maybe I'm Eddie. What? I can't only, I, that was my one kiss to the yeah. show. <laughs> now you're asking me for more. More shenanigans. Yes. Well, I won't Always. do it. I won't stand for it. So we always kind of end this episode talking about like what lessons we might be able to learn from yeah. these movies. So in terms of the relationship we talked about, there's a lot about kind of, you know, opposite people being friend being friends and kind of changing each other for for the better. So have either of you ever had a friendship with someone like maybe it didn't start out on the best footing, but you found out later like, oh, this was actually a really good, like transformative friendship for me. I'm a different person now because I knew this person. Or is this like just a little are they a little too far apart for that to connect? I'll let him start. I got to think okay. on that one. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking on that too. Um, I would think, well, see, I have a lot of close friendships still with people I grew up with. So that's, you can't really evaluate those friendships on the same, you, you know where you come from. You have those like sort of in jokes, the stories, you know, the same people. Uh, I would say in podcasting though, I think with me and Dave, for example, is a, is a good one. I remember actually my and Dave's first interaction was oh in some was <laughs> it was in some group <laughs> chat that another uh you know podcast that I don't interact with so I'm not going to promote their show <laughs> so <laughs> no need for them anymore cuz I'm a vindictive asshole fuck them <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also a lovable guy I remember Dave sent me a private message that was like hey uh you know you don't follow me on Twitter do you mind giving me a follow and it was like very hat in hand like and I thought it was the most amusing thing cuz I'm like you don't want me following you. Like you don't. You don't want to invite me. I'm a vampire in your life, and you don't want this. And but okay, true. you asked for it. So since he asked for it, I was like, I'm just going to start talking to this guy every day, and it's been a really and cool it's never friendship. Stopped. Yeah, me and yeah. Dave Aww. have talked almost every day, and that started just completely randomly in a like, well, groups that you know we share on Facebook things where it's like, hey, what do you do like to promote your show? What's some editing tips? Very generic technical terms. And uh, just because this guy said, hey, why don't you give me a follow on Twitter? 
I was like, I'm just going to annoy him. I'm going to, I'm going to prove him wrong (laughs) on why he didn't want that. And, uh, yeah, now we talk almost every day. So, but me and Dave are clearly very different. Um, you know, he lives in, you know, (laughs) the most racist part of the world, Reno. And you live in Kentucky. (laughs) 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 I basically live in New York city compared to Dave's situation right now, which is unfortunate. So I'm really having to bring up the level of conversation lately, which I hate. true. I was really hoping I had a friend in the Bay Area that would enlighten me. Instead, I have to do all the work. So there, yep. it's negative Just again. Just wait till August. Just wait till that August. was a lovely moment, but uh, now I realize this is bad for me. This is too much work for me. This is the end you of our sound, You sound like your version of Eddie. Oh, that's a sweet yeah. story. It was for, for about 30 seconds. And then I was like, I don't <laughs> they like just it sounds. Burn. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's wow. my story. Well, since you brought it up, I did think about it. And um, yeah, I think I did have a friendship that actually, as I think about it, was a lot like Roger and Eddie. Um, My best friend in high school, I remember this because she was one of the few people in my life where we became really, really close, but I initially did not like her. I remember meeting her in the eighth grade and she asked for my number and I was just like, here, I don't know who she is. She was like in the seventh and she just started calling me. And there's that, and like we were like really tight friends. And I remember she was the first person to call me Boo. She was like, What you doing, Boo? And I remember being like, What? What? Why is she <laughs> acting like I'm her Boo? Anyway, she she was like, She was Roger and I was Eddie. I was kind of like, Who is this girl annoying the hell out of me? And she was like, Girl, what's up? You know, let's go to the mall. And I finally relented. I met her at the mall. Then we started hanging out. And then she wore me down. We all of a sudden became best friends. With, we were thick as thieves the whole time I was in high school. And um, we had we did lose touch at some point, and now we are in touch. But I remember that because it was one of the first. There was one of the few instances in my life where I became very close with someone that I initially did not like and was super annoyed by it. But she ended up becoming my best friend throughout high school. And actually, I do still reference her in my podcast because those were high school years, and we were like deep into the same thing. So those years I spent with her were very very memorable in my life. So yeah, there you go. Yes. My girl Nikki was her name. <laughs> we were <laughs> thick as these. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I don't think I had that because I don't. Mike and I are very different in that way where like he has like collected all these friends from his childhood and they all it's crazy to me that they all still talk to each other. I'm like, I don't That's know. That's crazy anybody, to me, too. I don't know anybody like I think my oldest friend I probably met when I was in my twenties. Like, it's, it's like, same, so that is total, totally foreign to me. Maybe it's the, yeah. you know, Mike living in the South and the, you know, kind of small town nature. And I don't no, know. It's but... not that it's a, uh, and we've said this before, me and my friends, it's a competition to the death. Like we want to, <laughs> we want to compete all through our life. And that started with like basketball or video games, what have you. And I'd really think, you know, I love everybody. If you die, some. you lose. You know how I, I feel about that movie, and like my friends have pointed that out before, where it's like, can we just dial this down? Do we have to make like life a competition? And it's like, so it's just it. a game that's you know, but it's you do make a lot of really cool memories there, and you share a lot of good stories. But yes, it is, it is the last man standing. That's the reason. Wow. It's a fun game, Dave. You know, for now, I wish <laughs> you'd be a bunch of like ninety-year-old men just beating the hell out of each other, like. I got to win. I'm so close. (laughs) You get to that point, you probably lose. You're probably the first man out, probably won. Don't have to put up with all that nonsense. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. So for me, I think the one person I can think of is I had a roommate in college when I was at San Jose State, and we came from very different 
um, like just very different histories and very different styles. Like he was, he probably would have fit in with your group of friends, Mike, you know, like kind of, you know, kind of I'll the take that as a compliment, but I know yeah, well, go ahead. Uh, you know, much, much more, uh, much more of a jock than I was. Uh, I would say much less enlightened than I was. Um, but I think there was a, we ended up, we like roomed together at San Jose State and then moved out into an apartment together. Like we were like, this really works. We really get along. This is great. And I think there was a, there was a lot of give and take. Like he, he had a totally different perspective than me and I had a totally different perspective from him. And I know for a fact that both of us, by the time that friendship ended, because friendships just sometimes end and it's like, okay, he's going off and getting married and I'm, you know, going off with my life and we just don't talk anymore. But both of us became very different people by our interactions. And I think, I think that's one of the cool things about these friendships is that, you know, even if it's, even if it's like short term, even if it's only for a couple of years, like I can look back on that relationship and be like, oh, I actually, I saw a different perspective and it's kind of changed the way I interact with people now and doing what I do, like being a therapist now, like all of those interactions help because I can kind of now see things from that other perspective. So that's what comes to mind for me. Mm. I really like that answer. Good that means that I'm, I'm affecting your, your professional life. <laughs> Jesus. Which is why I'm so I'm bad a, at it. I'm a kid <laughs> I like that. I hope you have a file on me. A little bit. No comment. <laughs> He'll change your name in the book when he, That's when right. he publishes That's right. it. I hope not. I, want, I need all the publicity. I, I have like seven podcasts. Please, can you tag me? <laughs> Insane all person and podcast host, Michael Denniston. <laughs> I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I think yeah, that's... So- should we yeah. we should allow our guest, you know, don't we're not gonna say that you're an insane person. That's my my bag there. But okay. yeah, this is the time for you to promote your show. A new show, but uh it's really fun. It's and this is <laughs> I say that Dave's gonna make fun of me, as he's mentioned many times, the Kentucky guy that has no knowledge of R and B music. I'm just happy you had yeah. to say the word mother at the beginning of this episode. You know, That's the best I, part. You know how nervous <laughs> I was trying to because I'm like, this is uh this is me attempting to speak, you know, Japanese or Spanish. I'm just like this. It's I'm like, going to butcher it's this. It's like your other show where you, you did had good. to say e to mama. Did I, good. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate the sympathetic, like, good hustle. Good <laughs> good effort. I'll take it. But, yes, I will not name the show. It's your show. I don't want to ruin it, but I do enjoy no, it. So You did fine. Yeah, it, it's Word to the Mother, uh, retrospective of 90s R&B and hip-hop where we explore – the artists, the experiences, the memories of the 90s. Come join us. We, we got two episodes out, more coming. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Listen, and you can find us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And much like her podcast, you can find our podcast on all those places she mentioned. Just look up grand gesture pod and if you want more of us please be sure to subscribe and rate us on itunes and the next time you hear us you will be hearing an episode on that awkward moment a romantic comedy featuring a trio of soon-to-be stars michael b jordan zach efron and of course mike's favorite miles teller so stay tuned and look forward to that